0: God is great each and every day, each and every way. I am just a servant of Jesus Christ as he is my Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. I hope you got to know him or I hope you get to know him as he is a saving grace that has provided so much discernment to where I, it's so easy brothers and sisters to see through all of the shenanigans and all of the misinformation, and all the lies. It's so easy once you have the discernment of God. Today we're going to be talking about what fake news is, who owns it, and the examples we're going to focus on today in Spotlight are two publications. One is the Atlantic Magazine, and the other one is the Washington Post newspaper. This is Neo420 Talks the podcast speaking truth against the lies. thing you've got to keep in mind about these fake news entities is they're not going to always provide fake information. They're going to provide stories about real people, about real situations, but they're going to manipulate the stories so they are focused on pulling at your emotions, pulling at your heartstrings, right? That's why they come up with these headlines that are nothing like what the actual story is but the other thing you have to consider is there is a lot of these entities that have contributors quote unquote these contributors are people that write write for these entities right but they're not paid employees they're contributors these are people that are always I'm talking about always. These contributors are a part of the deep state in regards to they have affiliation with one of the deep state universities. They have an affiliation with one of the deep state think tanks. They have an affiliation with the deep state Pentagon or Congress or, in most cases, the CIA, but they'll never come out and say that. They'll hide them in some kind of institution. And I want to focus on one of the authors that I have identified. Let's focus on The Atlantic. Okay. The Atlantic magazine. Okay. It is owned by Lauren Powell Jobs which is Steve Jobs' widow, okay? But before we even get there, let's look at what The Atlantic is. The Atlantic is an American 10-issue-per-year magazine and multi-platform publisher. It was founded in 1857 in Boston as The Atlantic Monthly, a literary and cultural magazine that published letter, uh, leading writers' commentary on education the abolition of slavery, and the other major political issues of the time. Its founders included Francis H. Underwood, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr., Henry Wadsworth Fellow, Harriet Beecher Stowe, and John Le- Greenleaf Whittier. James Russell Lowe was its first editor. So these these people, that you've heard of all those people, I'm sure. So that just tells you how the conspiracy started, because it was organized by people who were already majorly anti-American. But when you look at, it's part of what is called. So in July 2017, uh, David G. Bradley sold a majority interest of the publication to Laurel Powell Jobs. Emerson Collective. okay? So this is again where these 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 uh, wealthy they're not wealthy people, okay? These are people that are placed in these positions because they'll go with the agenda. So Laurel Powell Jobs. Has this collect, this, uh, non, uh, this, uh, It's called the Emerson Collective. It's a for-profit corporation focused on education, immigration reform, the environment, media and journalism, and health. It was founded by Laurel Powell Jobs, as I said. It's an LLC that uses philanthropy, impact investing, advocacy, and community engagement as tools to spur in the United States and abroad. They are a limited liability company and purport to engage in (laughs) philanthrocapitalism. You see how they come up with these terms? Philanthropy was actually giving money away to the needy and to the poor, right? And the destitute. But look at what they do. Bill Bill Gates did it with the Gates Foundation. He transferred all of his personal wealth into this trust fund, which eliminated any taxation on the shares that he had at Microsoft. That's what Jobs did right here. Lauren Powell Jobs, when she got her uh, inheritance from Steve Jobs dying, this woman wasn't even successful, okay? But she, some kind of way, they make it out as if she just, you know, met Steve Jobs at a council event. And this, this is all lies. I don't believe any of this, these stories. These people are placed in these positions. Okay. Cause you can just look at this woman and see that she's a, she's a Marxist. She's a communist useful idiot that is just roaming around, you know, doing this ridiculous stuff. But in addition to this Emerson collective, the Emerson collective was founded in 2004 by Lauren Powell jobs in Palo Alto, California named after transcendentalist writer, Ralph Waldoff Emerson. again, This is one of the people that was, you know, that was the uh, that was the original founder of the Atlantic. Okay, so not only did she buy the Atlantic, but then she created a collective for profit, philanthropic capitalism, limited liability corporation that she named after uh, Ralph Waldoff Emerson. Okay, and. You know, everybody that knows about, uh, he was known as a poet, you know, a lecturer and philosopher, but he was a communist. Emerson was a communist. Um, In 1997, Powell Jobs had co-founded, together with Carlos Watson, the nonprofit organization College Track, a college competition program to combat the achievement gap among students of color. All they did was find the top athletes. Because if you look at Carlos Watson's background, it says he's an entrepreneur, journalist, and TV host, former contributor to the two gutter organizations of MSNBC and CNN. So that gives you an idea of who we're dealing with, okay? That gives you some context. But when we go and look at the articles, that The Atlantic publishes, it is astonishing that they get away with this. It's literally astonishing. Because, um, you know, when you look at what they publish, it is so obvious that this group hates America. They hate anything to do with America. They hate anything that has to do with Um, You know, patriotism, they hate America, period. So here's an example of some of the articles that they have written, right? So this was, uh, they wrote an article called The Dawn of Everything, A New History of Humanity. Then they wrote an article called Omicron is the Beginning of the End, and then they came up with Omicron is enforcing its own soft lockdown. And then we're about to lose track of the pandemic data. Oh, you see how they're setting up like this false premise. These are just these are liars. These are professional liars. OK, they, they do all of this. And let me give you an example. OK. Of what I'm talking about. The author of the article Omicron is the beginning of the end. This is a contributing author for the Atlantic and her name is Yasha Monk, Y-A-S-C-H-A and then last name M-O-U-N-K. Okay, so the beginning of this article titled again Omicron is the beginning of the end. First statement, no matter the severity of the variant, the appetite for shutdowns or other large-scale social intervention simply isn't there. That's our statement, okay? But as we go into this uh, article, it says scientists have their own way of deciding that a pandemic is over. But one useful social scientific marker is when people have gotten used to living with the ongoing presence of a particular pathogen. Skipping down, will the, quote, new normal, end quote, mean that the disease poses less of a risk? Or will people ignore COVID even if it continues to kill hundreds of thousands of people every year? That's See how this fake information, they're sticking to the narrative of what this fake group of people is talking about. And I'm not even going to go through any more of this this crap article, but this author, Yasha Monk, has written a number of articles very similar to this, okay? Just spin pieces. But here's where I'm going to this is brothers and sisters is where I'm trying to teach you to look at things, okay? Because this is where the dot collector comes into place. You got to collect these dots, okay? Because as I've been telling you for years, this is a small group of people. They conspire together and they work and they spit out the same lies just in different ways. But because they have the power of these publication companies behind them, it reaches a lot more people because these companies can pay Facebook to get in front of you. They can pay Google operating system on your cell phones to get in front of you. That's how I came about knowing about The Atlantic. I've known of that magazine, but over the last year, Google and Microsoft have continued to push these articles onto my cell phone feed. And I just watch them. I've been collecting this data. I'm always collecting data, as you brothers and sisters know. But here it goes. Here's where the, the my theory on all of this comes to proof, okay? At the end of our article, I'm going to read the last paragraph, and then I'm going to read her bio because that's where the key is. Last paragraph, whatever damage Omicron might wreak in the immediate future, we will most likely soon lead lives that look a lot more like they did in spring of 2019 than they did in spring of 2020. Again, this tilt of reality into a false pretense about what is really happening. But here we go with her bio. Here it is. Yasha Monk is a contributing writer at The Atlantic. That is code for saying that she is a paid provocateur writing a hit piece but you're saying that she's a contributing writer because you don't want her to be looked at as an employee because then everybody could say, oh, The Atlantic is doing some terrible writing. Well, all that the editor has to say is, well, that is not a writer, that's a contributing writer for The Atlantic. Again, this passive tyranny, psychological operation, just lies that these people spit. Okay? Yasha Monk, again, is a contributing writer at The Atlantic. There's the first red flag that comes up. Here's the second one. She is an associate professor at John Hopkins University. Bing 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 number two red flag because to remind you, event 201 that was put on in October of 2019 as a um, as a war gaming, as a scenario planning, As a simulation, the Gates Foundation organized with John Hopkins University and with the World Economic Forum to put together Event 201 that talked about a pandemic taking down the entire world economy. This person was a part of it. Associate Professor at John Hopkins University. As I've been reporting to you, brothers and sisters, John Hopkins University is not a university at all. It is an element of the CIA, and it is used as a think tank with the CIA because John Hopkins University is in Maryland, right outside of D.C., and not long far away from Langley, Virginia, where the CIA's headquarters are. So, John Hopkins University is an enemy of we the people, okay? So, back to her bio. Again, we've already got two red flags popping up. One, she's a contributing editor to The Atlantic. That tells us that she is a third party coming in to write this. She's a hit, she's a hit man writing this hit piece. Secondly, she's an associate professor at John Hopkins University. So, let's move to the third section. She is a senior fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations. Bing, 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 bing. You can't even make this up. I keep telling you that y'all just need to pay attention to what is going on because you will understand what all of this is and who these people are. It's not complicated, brothers and sisters. These people are not many but they are um, continuously warring against we the people because this is a secret society. Okay, so the Council on Foreign Relations, founded in 1921, is United States nonprofit think tank specializing in U.S. foreign policy and international affairs. It is headquartered in New York City as an additional office in Massachusetts. Its membership numbers are 5,102, has included senior politicians, numerous secretaries of state, CIA directors, bankers, lawyers, professionals, and senior media fellows. Okay, this was, uh, you know, this is something that people need to pay attention to. The CFR is where Joe Biden was speaking in front of them whenever he got caught saying that he held a billion dollars of 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 loans from the country of Ukraine until they got rid of the uh, prosecutor that was looking into prosecuting Hunter Biden because his involvement with Barismo, which was the natural gas company in Ukraine that was owned by a criminal oligarch that was being investigated for high treason against the country of Ukraine. So I know this is a lot of information, but you got to keep following me here, okay? So uh, four red flags. Is it four or three? No, three red flags. Yasha Monk is a contributing writer to the Atlantic, number one, associate professor for John Hopkins University, number two, and a senior fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations. Why is somebody that is one of the 5,102 members of the CFR writing for the Atlantic? And the reason is, is because they are trying to make you think a certain way. Okay. Very easy. But there's other writers like this Peter Weiner, W-E-H-N-E-R, that writes for, uh, writes for the, the uh, Atlantic. And he is, again, is a contributing writer at the Atlantic and a senior fellow at the Ethics and policy, uh, Public Policy Center. When you see anything about public policy centers or council on foreign relations, these are deep state actors because you will never get in there. I would never be allowed in there. Not that I would want to, but I'm saying they pick who they want to be a part of it because they know that they will go along with the criminal activities. But again, the CFR is mean, 5,103 members. This, is again, is not a large group. But let me give you some idea of what articles Peter Weiner wrote for The Atlantic. The latest one on December 26, 2021, titled The Gospel of Donald Trump Jr. The former president's son told a crowd that teaching of Jesus have, quote, gotten us nothing, end quote. See how he's planting doubt into people's minds about uh, Donald Trump Jr., where he took that one segment out of a speech, but he makes it the hit piece. Second article from December fourth, two 2021, by this Peter Weiner. Tucker Carlson is completely pleading the work that Donald Trump began. There was a time when someone like Alex Jones would have been too toxic to embrace. That's how he starts off the article. Uh, Then we've got uh, November 25th's article, Philip Yancey's Message of Grace. Fifteen years after an accident almost changed his life, the Christian author reflects on grace, forgiveness, and faith. And this guy's an absolute communist. You just look at his crazy hairdo and his his glasses, and you know that these communists they they don't even they, they are so ignorant that they can't even disguise themselves because they have no shame whenever they should, because they are the filth of this earth, in my opinion. Then we have the October twenty fifth, two thousand three article from Peter Weiner of the Atlantic. And it says, the title is The Evangelical Church is Breaking Apart. Christians must reclaim Jesus from his church. This is the type of trash people that we have out here writing for the Atlantic. It just makes me sick with these people. I mean, they're just so sickening that it just, I just can't even, oh, I. I'm beside myself, but I'm I'm doing this so you can understand what can be what is done, and let me tell you how I found about Peter is because look at what MSN pushes out. They push out an Atlantic article yesterday, and it was uh, written on December 21st, and it's called "Fauci on What COVID Could Look Like a One Year From Now." You see how they're already trying to push this out and they're trying to be they're trying to protect Fauci, they're trying to make him look really good, then they make Trump look bad in this article. I'm not even going to read it, but my point is again, here these operators work together. They are conspiring. MSN pushes out these articles drafted by the Atlantic and they push them out to all of our cell phones. They push them out to our cell phones using MSN, which is owned by Microsoft. Microsoft has the operating systems to our cell phones. Why do you think they always want us to upgrade our cell phones? Why do you think Xfinity is giving you cell phones all the time? Why do you think that they will give you money to trade over to your plan and actually pay you in order to change your... Uh, change your plans or change your service provider it's unbelievable to me it's unbelievable so you've got enough of this fake news entity the Atlantic but at least you at least you know what to look for now okay um they're protecting Fauci all of them are trying to protect Fauci and it's only because Bill Gates owns Fauci you know so this is where it all is coming together right Thanks for staying tuned for this episode. Spread this far and wide. We are friends, family, coworkers. Everyone needs to hear the truth as the truth will make them free. John 8, 32. This is the first of two episodes on this particular topic of Fake News 101, so stay tuned for that next one coming out shortly. Continue to review all of our past podcasts as we have been bringing you truth here at Neo420 Talks, the podcast, Speaking Truth against the lies. wake up to that sunrise in the woods on the blue skies but these days i'm fed up gotta wake up in these new times all these pedophiles and these rapists all these men dressing up like ladies all these people that's trafficking babies everything we say these days is racist every right we have they taken now they done shut down the whole fucking nation all this bullshit on every station You gotta wear masks to cover her face. i'm from the 80s i know this ain't right you calling me crazy i know this ain't life i'm talking some shit that nobody likes when so i'm speaking the truth and you notice it right